I'm good to go, um, Ryan. Okay, Matthew 1, 20 to 23. Matthew 1, 20 to 23. And it says in Matthew 1, 20 to 23, that, um, but after he considered this, and this is Joseph, but after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Guys, so um, here's the thing. Huh? In that in those three verses, you see Jesus being, uh, let's not call him Jesus, you see the Son of God, or this little baby in the manger, before he is born, God gives him two names. So he goes, tells Joseph, hey, you need to call him Jesus. And then he also says to Joseph that something is being fulfilled, a verse or a prophecy that was spoken ages ago. Isaiah is fulfilled and what was that prophecy that a virgin shall give birth to a son and you shall call him Emmanuel so there are two names here that are being um, and in those two names you basically have at Jesus's birth his ministry his life and his purpose in those two names and what are the two names Jesus and what does Jesus mean just so the nobody uh, gets it wrong the angel even explains what Jesus Jesus means he will save his people from sin. That's what the word Jesus means. He will save his people or he will save people from their sins. He will save people from sin. And what does the word Emmanuel mean? And so are given to him before he is born. Hey, can I change this mic because it's giving me some trouble. The second name he is given is Emmanuel and Emmanuel means God with us. And in these two, in these two, in these two, yeah. So in these two names, Jesus's life, ministry and purpose is defined. So what was his purpose? His purpose was, I've come to save people from their sins. What was his other mission or ministry? That, hey, the earth and its people have lost touch with God because of their sins. I've come to save the people from sins. And thereafter, I am going to be the God who dwells with them. I'm going to be a God not in heaven. I'm going to be a God with you. This defines his purpose and his ministry and his life from there on. And as disciples of Jesus, our ministry and life and purpose is defined too. It's the same as the one who leads us. You can't have a ministry, life and purpose that is different from the one who you belong to. Yeah, belong to. This is not some voluntary thing we are doing. The moment you ask Jesus Christ into your life, you're calling him Lord. Lord means master. And the moment you call him master, his mission, his purpose, his life becomes yours. So what is your mission, your purpose? 
your ministry, your life about? Um, I'm not talking about what you do in terms of work, but our, our mission, life, and purpose become simple too. Bear witness to Jesus. Make disciples. Uh, become uh, God with us people. As the master, so the followers. Regardless of where you work, what you do, retired, active, Canuck fan, Colorado fan, both are in bad shape. Um, regardless of what you do, these things stay consistent. You bear witness to Jesus. Bear witness meaning, here is who he is from what I know. Here is who he is from what I've experienced. Here is who he is from what I feel. Here is who he is from what I've sensed and read. To make disciples. As in, this is what Jesus did. This is what I do. You do. Regardless of what we work at, our intent is make disciples. Make people who... Huh, make... Shape people not into followers, not into converts, not into religious kind, not into Christians. No, make people who are willing to pay a cost to follow him who lay down his life for you. And the third one is become a with us, God with us people. That is a strange one, eh? You never think of church as our church, that's where God dwells with people. No, our definition of church is our church, the thing that happens on Sunday mornings. But the intent is become a God with us people where when people come into a place like this, they can't go away without sensing that, boy, there was something else in that room and they call it God. And this God seems attractive. This, that's what we were singing. Eh? God with us, God for us. Nothing can stand against, nothing can come between us. Where there was death, you bring life, Lord. Where there was fear, you bring courage. When I was afraid, you were with me and you lifted me up, you lifted me up. And that's the whole intent. These things are contained in the name Emmanuel and Jesus. And it's strange, before he was born, these are the names given to him. Any questions before we go on? Any questions? So what does Jesus mean? He will save people from their sins. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. Cling to this, eh? If there's anything you take away from Christmas, it is this, that Jesus means he will save people from sins. Emmanuel means God with us. And these things I will cling to because this is something that has to be lived out through my life. God wants to live this out through my life. God wants to live this. God wants to live this through my life. Jacob, I'm still in the same business. I want to be a God who is with people and I want to be someone who still saves people from their sins. And I sent Jesus, he ascended, he's now in heaven. But by the way, he lives in you, so you got to do the same thing that my son used to do. Very simple. It doesn't matter where I put you, whether it be in a corporate building or um, wherever, this is what you do. Through you, I'll still continue what my son started. Through you, I'll still continue what my son started. That's why 
like Bob Cron's letter said, Merry Christmas doesn't really explain it. Someone did something ridiculous so that I not be lost. There's a passage, uh, we'll go there later. So what stands in the way of us operating this way? What stands in the way? Surprisingly, people say, oh, I'm sinful. That's why this doesn't work. Oh, I'm full of faults and I've got flaws. So I can't do this. No, not really. The one thing that stands in the way of this happening, guys, is uh, not sin, it's Satan. I mean, just put up the first picture, uh, um, Ryan, and then I'll call out when I want the next picture. Yeah, so, um, yikes. And now. <laughs> Drum roll. This is the first one. Yeah. So uh, this is where we are starting with two names that were given him, Jesus and Emmanuel. I'm getting more and more the hang of this PowerPoint thing. So you might see more of this now. Uh, but it takes up a lot of time, so maybe I won't do it. So um, <laughs> Jesus, uh, so this is what it means. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. So standing in the way of this happening through our lives is not your defects, not your flaws, not your sin, not your inadequacy. It is someone else called Satan because eh? there is an evil spirit called Satan who stands in the way of Jesus becoming Jesus through us Emmanuel becoming Emmanuel through us what do I mean by that guys there's an active evil spirit called Satan who opposes prevents stops people from being saved from their sins and there is an active evil spirit called Satan who works overtime to prevent people from enjoying the with us God remember what was the devil's first intent when Jesus was born can I destroy him right at birth so he gets Herod to kill all the babies that are under two years old why he was hoping that Jesus could be slaughtered with them this is an old ancient thing. This fight has been going on for thousands and thousands of years. Every time anyone rises up to save people from their sins and to present to them a God who can live with them, there is an enormous, ferocious, adversary, evil spirit called Satan who keeps coming to block. Because if he can prevent you from enjoying the God with us, and if he can prevent you from getting out of your sin, there's nothing else he needs to do. And it happens again and again and again and again. In 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, it says it this way. 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, it says that the God of this world, as in, this, as in Satan, the God of this world, as in the devil or Satan, this is in 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, has blinded the minds of people who do not believe, to keep them from seeing the light of the good news of Christ. The God of this world, as in the devil, has blinded the eyes of people who do not believe so that they may not get to taste, enjoy, grasp, fathom the good news that Jesus Christ came to save you from sin by dying for you. 
So there is a blindness that devil brings, eh? There's another scripture which says that the good news of Jesus Christ is is veiled to people. It's almost like there's a veil on people and they cannot see. You can explain it, but they cannot see because there's a veil upon them. There's this picture that I found and this picture has nothing to do with any religion. It's just a picture that I felt would explain it. So do not look at the picture in terms of uh, it representing any religion. It just so happens that it uh, is perfect for what I'm trying to explain. So go to the next picture. So there is this veil that covers people's eyes. Unable to see, their minds dulled, their eyes dulled, their hearts dulled, their feelings dulled to the presence of the creator of the universe. Thousands and thousands and thousands and the only thing they can do then is to shake their fists at this invisible creator who seems to be violent, evil and yet it's because of this veil that's over their eyes that they can't see the goodness of God. The gospel is veiled. In 2 Corinthians 4.3, it says the gospel is veiled and it causes people to perish. Because God in his amazing love didn't want heaven all for himself. He wanted me there so he brings heaven down as the song says. My sin was great, his love was greater. And so he comes down as a little baby, lives here and dies for us. Why? So that he could save us from sin. And why? So that we can enjoy God in us and with us. Guys, just think of this, eh? You and I have the privilege, a 24-7 privilege of enjoying the God of the universe, not somewhere distant, but in us, with us, hearing him, knowing what he's saying, experiencing him. It's both feeling and fact and truth all combined into one, God with us. This is what Christmas really did. And then you have thousands and thousands of people who have veils upon them. By the way, you were one of them. You were one of them. There was a dullness over your eyes. There was a dullness over my mind and eyes where we couldn't fathom who Jesus was. People would come and tell you, you couldn't fathom it. People would try to explain, you didn't want it. People would be able to elaborate it and you would still reject it because you didn't grasp it. Why? Because there was a veil over your eyes. You could understand rocket science easily but you couldn't understand simple Jesus because it's this veil that is over people here's another scripture in Acts 26 18 Acts 26 18 it says and this is God speaking to Paul and God says to Paul listen Paul I'm sending you look at what God was sending Paul to do I'm sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. Guys, we have no idea how active an enemy the devil is in preventing these two names of Jesus from taking root. Jesus, he who saves people from their sin. Emmanuel, God with us. An active adversary that keeps shutting down the door. Jesus never came to establish Christianity. That's just something that happened. He never knew the word Christian. That came much later too. He never coined the word Christian. That happened much later. He just came to make disciples 
who would be like him and who would show the world hey when god lives amongst you this is what life looks like that's why it says oh it doesn't say anymore become a god with us people become a god with us people let them see what can happen when your life gets filled with god so Paul was told, listen, I'm sending you for two reasons. I want you to go and open people's eyes. And that's what I'm saying to you today. That one of the reasons, one of the purposes, one of the life missions you have, one of the ministries you have is you are being sent tomorrow or day after tomorrow, after after boxing day actually, or during boxing, you get the message. <laughs> You're being sent out so that you can open eyes and turn people from darkness to light from the power of satan to god this is why in ephesians chapter 6 a scripture you're very familiar with it says we are not fighting against flesh and blood but we are fighting against dark powers of the universe just imagine it eh god is saying all this to us so that we become aware that listen guys this church thing is not something you play on sunday you are actually engaged in an active warfare with someone who wants to prevent your brothers your sisters your fathers your mothers your neighbors your friends from ever experiencing throughout their lives here on earth for 80 or 90 years never being able to taste what it is to have god live with them never experiencing the forgiveness of sins what a wicked evil spirit this is that wants to kill destroy maim and who gets blamed for it this baby in the manger that grew up to be one who was hung on a cross and they still blame him for it have a hatred for what the devil is doing we end up hating people who are used by the devil and this is why paul had to say in ephesians guys your fight is not against flesh and blood It's not against Herod. It's not against Pharaoh. It's not against some dictator. It's not against some fanatic. That's not who your fight is against. They are being used, yes. But your fight is not against flesh and blood, but against powers of darkness in high places. That's how the word puts it. This is one of the things we'll be praying on about on the 21st. how to prevail against this and then jesus goes on to say in matthew 16 18 hey by the way i've told you that you're fighting against powerful adversaries in the spiritual realm that you can't even see that the devil is real but i also want you to know he says in matthew 16 18 that the gates of hell will not overcome or prevail or stand against the church the gates of hell cannot who is saying this the one who said all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me amazing eh like i said 2 weeks ago Just imagine in this church given the authority I have by virtue of whatever I can say to Jillian Jillian could you go and sit on the bench two rows down and she would go not because she's scared of me but she because she recognizes my authority I can say to Ryan Ryan can we have the next slide and he'll do it though he doesn't get paid for it I can say to Heidi Heidi uh, let's not have coffee next time And so in this place in this limited place i have some authority and you will listen to it now think of jesus christ all authority he said in all heaven and all earth belongs to him when he says something you cannot defy it here you can defy it and you'll get away with it and thank god you don't but with christ is different eh 
and I've said this before, but always remember this. All satanic enterprise is by permission. All satanic enterprise is by permission. As in, Satan does things only by permission. Only by permission, as in, you will have to give him permission, or God will have to permit it. One or the other. Satan cannot do what he wants. But one of his active ministries is, can I make sure that nobody figures out what the name Jesus means and can I make sure that the earth does not experience God with them and so Jesus Christ raises up us saying hey this is what he wants to do I'm raising up the church I'm building it and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it so what do I require of you you go and tell them what the name Jesus means and you go and show them what God with us looks like very simple in those two names in that simple Christmas announcement that the angel makes you have your mandate for 2018 regardless of where you're at so in a world where evil powers are actively at work in a world where evil powers are actively at work God commands that we take the sword of the Holy Spirit stranger of all the things that God could call the Word of God he calls this the sword of the Holy Spirit. As in, hey, why would you need a sword if you're a farmer who's um, growing uh, avocados? They grow on trees? They do, okay. So why would you... Uh, they put it in burgers now, I just can't understand that. Just can't understand that. Moving on. So if you're a farmer farming avocado trees, you don't need a sword. But the reason God calls this the sword of the spirit is because he wants us to know that, listen, you have an active enemy. You need an offensive weapon. He says, wear gospel shoes of peace. Meaning you got to have tread, man. You got to know how to stand and not move. You know that whole armor thing in the Bible where it talks about wear this, wear that. If you're a farmer, you don't need to wear that because you won't farm very well dressed like uh, Sir Galahad or whatever. Because that doesn't help with your plowing. It, it's, it's when you fight that you need stuff. And two essential elements are the sword of the spirit and shoes that have tread so you can stand we we'll talk about that another time, but know that we are in active combat. Eh? Why is it so hard to tell people about Jesus or speak about Jesus or show people that God is alive in your life? Because you've got an active enemy that has made it almost impossible to speak for the fear of derision or the fear of being scoffed at or the fear of being embarrassed. So what do we do? Keep silent. No, I want to I love that name, man. Noah means rest. Noah means rest. Guys, so how do we go about proclaiming this, um, these, these two things? That, hey, I'm someone who can tell you what the name Jesus means and I can, I can, I can introduce you to this with us God. I can introduce you to the with us God. I was just thinking when we were singing uh, where there is death, you bring life, Lord. I'm thinking to myself, Father, you've done it so many millions and millions of times in my life. 
28, 29 years I've been a Christian. Every time something goes wrong, something begins to decay, something begins to break down, you come and introduce life. How many times have you done it? And how you long to do it for the 7.2 billion people that are here on earth. Why would I then keep quiet, oh God? This church cannot afford to stay quiet anymore. Go tell it on the mountains. Telling it in the mountains is easy. Nobody's there. <laughs> Got to change that song a little. Over the hills. It, it, it was important then, but not anymore. So understand that, that the whole idea of announcing Jesus and the God with us thing is not a strenuous effort of the flesh. It is a ministry of the spirit. Go to 2 Corinthians 3.8. 2 Corinthians 3.8. 2 Corinthians 3.8. Start at 7. Now, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory, so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, fading though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? As in, hey, just imagine this, huh? So there was this guy called Moses, and he would go into the temple, and every time he would go into the temple, and he would meet with God, when he would come out, his face would be blazing. It would be shining. And yet, in the temple were, were the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments were basically a set of rules that if you broke them, you die. And here is God saying, hey guys, I'm not giving you a list of rules to follow. I'm not telling you things that will kill you. I'm telling you things that will give you life. And he says, you begin to speak the name of Jesus and explain to people what Emmanuel means. And here's what's going to happen. My spirit will be able to do things through you that even Moses could not do. Understand that what we are being called to do is surely a ministry of the Spirit. A ministry of the Spirit. As in, only the Holy Spirit can do this. Only the Holy Spirit can do this. It's odd, eh? You know how the veil is removed from a person's face? You can't go remove a veil from someone's face. Every time I do that, Noah takes four steps back. You can't remove a veil from people's face. They'll resist. They'll say, don't touch me. Don't, don't touch my veil. You can't force them. You can't coax them, you can't cajole them, you can't bribe them, you can't emotionally manipulate anyone to lift up their veils. There's only one thing that you need to do to remove the veil. It says, when you help people look at Jesus, the veil is removed. All you and I have to do, all you and I have to do is help people turn their faces towards Jesus and the veil is removed. How do you accomplish that? Through your inadequacy, through your flaws, through your faults. Help people look towards Jesus. What does that look like? It'll look different every time, man. I was on a flight um, from Jakarta to a place called Surakarta. And there's this Hindu man sitting next to me. And uh, he and I are chatting and he's a businessman. And I'm thinking to myself, so how do I help him look towards Jesus? And so I sense God saying, ask him how he, his business was this year. And this was in November of the year 
October of the year. Ask him how his business was this year because his business has been pretty bad and he's in the red. And so I ask him and he says, it's been pretty bad. And then I sense the Lord saying, tell him on December 31st to look at his bottom line again and he'll be back in the black. If, if you're in the red, you turn back to black, right? Okay. I don't know much about farming or accounting. So, so you, and he'll be in the black. And so I told him that. And that's it. Six months later, I'm in, um, not six months, four weeks later, uh, he just emails me saying, thank you for what you said. Um, may the gods help me and stuff like that. Like a very, all gods lead to Rome. So lead to the same place, sorry. All roads lead to Rome. All gods don't lead to Rome. Uh, and so, um, January, he writes saying, I just want you to know that uh, what you said happened. Um, we got such large orders in the last two months that from being in the red, we've gone into positive. And is there any chance that the next time you come to Jakarta, you could come and meet the rest of my family? Because I would like them to hear about Jesus too. It's amazing how simple these things are, guys. Each of us will have it happen differently. Have it happen differently. But all we need to do is turn someone's face towards Jesus because you and I cannot take away the veil. You and I cannot take away the blindfold. This is a spiritual thing. It is not a physical thing. Spiritual things cannot be dealt physically. This is why it's called the ministry of the spirit who lives in you and is, is saying, hey, I don't know if you know Jacob, but you actually belong to me because Christ paid a price for your body and you are my temple. I live in you. So, by the way, can I use your body now? He actually, every morning I wake up, and I've said this before, when I wake up, this Holy Spirit says, hmm, he's finally awake. With dawn, he says, ha, huh, when will he wake up? But with me, he says, he's finally awake. And then he says, he, the Holy Spirit actually thinks that this body belongs to him. The Holy Spirit actually thinks that this body belongs to him. Is that scriptural? Absolutely. 1 Corinthians 6, 20 onward says that don't you know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, that you are not your own. You've been bought with a price. Jesus paid for your body too. You belong to God. And so he's yearning to say, hey, can I work my ministry through you? Can you help people turn their faces towards Jesus? And when they do, this third picture happens. So you go to the second picture and then you go to the third picture. In the third picture, this person, all the person does is turn towards Jesus and now things begin to happen. I want, uh, the reason I put these pictures up is so that you understand what's really transpiring. You might think that what you're saying is so inadequate, so not complete, but you're turning someone's face towards Jesus and that takes away the veil that person is finally looking at the only one who can do something inside. Do we want to make Christians? No. Do we want to add numbers to the church? Not really. What do we want? We want everybody on the earth to experience what it is when God lives with you. God with us, Emmanuel. That's why he came down. He didn't come down to create Christianity. He wants to save people from their sins so that Oh man, when you read what will happen to those that keep rejecting, keep rejecting, keep refusing God, it's not fun. 
suddenly one out of the crowd looks towards Jesus. Isn't that what happened to your families? What happened to my family? I was the first one to turn towards Jesus. And suddenly I saw something that began to change my heart. People kept coming to me. Finally, one day I had the good sense to turn towards Jesus. Then my mom, then my dad, then my sister, then my brother-in-law, then their kids. And it just keeps spreading. It's contagious. Jesus infects. And it just keeps spreading. Just one girl turns. And like I said, this picture has got nothing to do with any religion. It's just a portrayal of what I'm trying to say. Through me then, the Holy Spirit just wants to turn people towards Jesus because that removes the veil. It actually says so in 2 Corinthians that when they turn to Jesus, the veil is removed. Through me, the Spirit wants to bring a person into contact with the power of God. Through me and through you, the Spirit of God wants to bring a person into the presence of God. When Paul wrote, one of the first letters that Paul wrote was 1 Thessalonians. He writes 1 Thessalonians to these guys in Thessalonica, which I believe is a city that's present even now. And he writes to the Christians there. And he writes to them saying, hey, when I came to you, remember, I had no uh, finesse. Uh, my words that I spoke to you somehow hit you. There was conviction in my words and it convicted you. And when he writes to the church in Corinth, he says, I didn't come to you with rhetoric. I didn't come to you with wisdom. My speech wasn't fine. It wasn't polished. In fact, I was some kind of a stammerer. But you guys heard it, not because of my oratorial skills, but because of the ministry of the Spirit, the power of the Spirit. Guys, you are cracked earthen jars. Get used to it. You are unadorned unadorned pots of clay with ordinary lives but like I've said who does God use nameless faceless ordinary people I was reading Isaiah 52 or 53 once again and I was thinking to myself Jesus was such a nameless faceless ordinary guy who had a carpenter's shop in Nazareth the Bible says no one would give him a second look. I was going to put up a picture of Jesus walking with crowds as one of the slides and then I looked at Jesus' face and it looked like he was one of those Marlboro men kind of flowing hair, stunning, like sharp looks. I thought to myself, man, I am absolutely sure this was not what Jesus looked like because this is way too attractive. He was charismaless, personality, limited personality, probably, like I said once, slightly less good looking than me because I'm about average. <laughs> that was who he was. And I'm not kidding you when I say this. It might sound funny, but there was nothing about him that was attractive. That's what Isaiah says. There was nothing about Jesus that was attractive. Why? Because when God sent Jesus, his son, on the earth, he didn't want people to come to Jesus because he was attractive or because he was a great, skilled orator. He wanted, again, the same thing that must happen through us to happen through Jesus, the ministry of the Spirit. Conviction, man, where something happens inside you. 
you are convicted of what you're saying and the hearer gets convicted of what you're saying and something transpires and the spirit of God is saying hey can I use you for this can I use you to turn people towards Jesus can I use you to bring God's power into their lives for Paul it would never occur to him that once you proclaim miracles won't happen he, he, he never thought he would never separate preach the gospel don't worry about miracles that's one, sen- one side of Christianity only preach God doesn't do miracles anymore and then the other side of Christianity is come for a miracle healing crusade but there will be no preaching because we don't want to offend you we just want to heal you so you got these two extremes eh? for Paul it was never like that for Paul it was hey if I tell you who Jesus is I want you to know that Jesus' power will touch your body simple That is a God with us, church. Know this. Begin to begin to expect nothing less. Begin to expect nothing less. The easiest way to live a comfortable Christian life without waves is to lower your expectation. Lower your expectation and life will be happy. In the world, they do it another way. In the world, they say, think of the worst thing that can happen to you. And so you imagine yourself the worst case scenario and now everything will be better. I used to do that. That was really dumb. And now the Christian aspect of it is uh, don't think of the worst case scenario because the Lord doesn't like it but lower your expectations of God so even if he doesn't do anything it's okay. I think it's as poisonous as the first one. Increase your expectancy as once who the Spirit of God wants to work through know that here's what I was telling the Lord this morning Father I expect the miraculous to accompany the proclamation of of the gospel I expect the miraculous to accompany the proclamation of the gospel in Romans 15 look at what Paul says in Romans 15 18 and 19 I'll wrap up in 10 minutes guys Um, Romans 15 18 and 19 Romans 15 18 and 19 I will not venture to speak of anything except that which Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I've said and done. And look at what he says, but by what I have said and done. Let it be the story of this church in 2018. Hey, that, hey, I want you to both look at what I said and look at what I did, what God accomplished through me. And then he says, look at what I did. He says, by the power of signs and miracles through the power of the Spirit, by the power of signs and miracles through the power of the Spirit. So from Jerusalem all the way around to that other place, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. Because when we are talking about the Holy Spirit, we are talking about the empowering personal presence of God. Just think of that. When you talk about the Holy Spirit, you are talking about the actual empowering personal presence of God. You think he can't do miracle signs and wonders. Expect this. Be foolish. When you meet people who have a problem, pray for them. It'll blow your mind how God will show off on your behalf. Never hesitate. What's the worst that can happen? You'll have egg on your face. Big deal. It'll probably do your skin some good. because this is what remember what our theme is for next year recover tradition go back to how the guys 
used to do it then and let's begin to repeat it all conversion i don't even like using the word conversion because it sounds like changing religions that's not what i'm talking about when i say conversion i mean the change of heart from that of one who was not saved from sin to one who is saved from sin the change of the condition of one who did not have god who now has god with or him or her that's what i call conversion all conversion and all transformation is surely the work of the spirit because there's this beautiful scripture in second corinthians 3:18 here's what it says where the spirit of the lord is there is freedom where the spirit of the lord is there is freedom so where is the spirit of the lord in you where are you at tellus where are you in a helicopter where are you in the forests of vernon where are you uh, in at vgh where are you in some jewish home teaching a jewish kid piano where are you uh, organizing your company's uh, stocks and bonds and all this stuff not bonds stocks right where are you in richmond uh, <laughs> i was going to say school and then i suddenly remembered yeah <laughs> yeah so where is the spirit of god he is wherever he wants to be and he is also where you are and all conversion as in anybody who is in a place of sin becoming one who is not anybody who did not have god now having god with them happens surely through the work of the spirit because you are the person through whom god brings brings freedom to people i hope we have these reunions in heaven where god will say oh by the way all those guys there those guys walked into freedom because you helped them turn their face towards me I mean tremendous say eh? You know why you should desire to live longer so that you can have more people that uh will say oh shucks because of you there's an old song written by a guy called Ray Bolts it says thank you for giving to the lord i am a life that was changed beautifully eh? thank you for giving to the lord i am a life that was changed Second Corinthians three eighteen, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Go to the last picture, and we'll stop here. I'll do the rest next week. This is the final scene, where the person comes into a place of freedom, where they take off the veil. Eh? It's not even. Uh, it, it's not even. I, I'll keep it on. I will look at Jesus. No, 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 no. I have tasted of something that's so ridiculously good that there ain't no turning back, and this veil must go. as you take off the veil and there's a there's a joy that comes with it i'm telling you man there is nothing more precious than this that you and i can accomplish in 2018 so what you make some money great enjoy it get a newer house bigger house great but really at the end of the day there's always someone with a bigger house and more money and a better car or two seats ahead of you at Rogers place it's fascinating eh every time i go for a hockey game i think to my i look look at the upper bowl i used to sit on the last row in the upper bowl and for the last 15 years i've been working my way down 
Because those days tickets used to be $28 for the last seat. I mean, your nose would actually bleed when you'd sit there. <laughs> and you work yourself. But then there are always another 14 rows ahead of you that someone's sitting in. What I'm trying to say is those things you can keep aspiring for. God will bless you. He's a blesser. He doesn't have a problem with you enjoying things that he provides. It says so in 1 Timothy 6. I have given you all things so that you may enjoy them. But be a steward instead of being an owner. Because an owner is always afraid of what he has. A steward is only responsible for what he has. When you're an owner, you're always holding on to... You're always holding on to this. Because you're scared someone may take it away. When you're a steward, you don't have to hold on to it because it's someone else's. You're just responsible for putting it back. And someone will put it back. So that's the difference. And bring people to this place where finally the whole thing is off. Any questions? Because I'll stop here. It's fascinating how in Luke 134, Mary asks the question of the angel when the angel says you're going to have a child Mary says how can this be because I'm not married I'm a virgin how can this be and the angel answers in Luke 134 saying the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of God will overshadow you will hover over you and that's written by Luke in Luke chapter 1 verse 34 and then Luke who still writes another book called Acts writes a very similar line in Acts where all the disciples are gathered, Jesus is uh, ascending to heaven and he makes a statement, Jesus makes a statement but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you we'll talk more about that next time, but I just look at those three, go back to the first, second third, fourth slide, just want you to remember, Jesus, Emmanuel Jesus means he will save us from our he will save people from their sins. Emmanuel, God with us, or the with us God. Not a distant God, not a faraway God, the with us God, the with you God. The with you God. You, when you leave here, we're not leaving him in church. As in, why would he want to stay in this building? And nothing wrong with the building, I'm grateful for it. What I meant is, he would rather be with you. So the with us God. This is what we present to the world. These were the two names given to Jesus before he was born so that they may know what he is meant for. And what are you meant for? Exactly what your master is meant for. Life purpose ministry that you have. Bear witness to Jesus who saves people from their sins. Make disciples so that this may multiply. And become a God with us people so that others may see ah so this is what life looks like when God lives in you ah shucks what a cool thing to live for man plus all the other trappings and there's an active enemy I'm almost done Noah I'm just summarizing the whole thing and it'll take another three, four minutes. We have an active enemy who wants to prevent this from happening. He's an active evil, fears, um, spirit that preys on innocence and ignorance and has absolutely no respect for innocence or ignorance. In fact, he brutalizes those that are innocent and ignorant. 
and pins the blame on God who is always good, always a father. Whenever you think God is doing something evil, ask this question, would a father do that? And if a father won't do that, God will not. There's an active evil spirit called the devil who blinds people, who draws them into darkness, who does not want them to know that Jesus saves you from sin, who doesn't want people to experience what it is when God dwells with you. And therefore, because we are dealing with spiritual dark powers in spiritual places, we can't deal with this with our skill, our oratorial abilities, our charisma, our rhetoric, or our wisdom. It doesn't work. This is a sheer ministry of God's Spirit, as in it's a sheer work of the Spirit of God. And that you possess. He lives in you. And He is saying, can I through you say something to this person or that person so that they look towards Jesus because of the entire world uh, Ryan just get the next one the entire world has its faces veiled its understanding veiled so that they cannot see truth they cannot see truth but they shake their fists at God who they cannot understand this is the condition of the world today and then you help people turn their faces towards Jesus. And the next slide. One face out of 10 or 20 looks towards Jesus. And things begin to happen. Where the power of God and the influence of God. And the goodness of God permeates one person. It's not even a removal of the face. It's just a turning towards Jesus. That's it. Just a turning towards Jesus. You think you can't do it? You can do it so easily. With a simple kind word. Again and again and again. This is so easy to do. I'm so looking forward to this. And then as a person looks toward Jesus, the veil is removed to a point where it's just completely thrown off. I love this shot. It's completely thrown off. Doesn't matter that the ground around you is dry and parched. You no longer belong to what you used to belong to. And life with the one who saves you from sin and life with the one who lives in you begins. This is how it works, guys. If possible, this week, and I was asking God this this morning, if possible, this week, no, we'll talk about it next week.